Welcome back to the Meridian Creative Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Meridian, and today's topic is shortages, supply chain, and inflation. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who supported the company so far. If you haven't got a chance, go check us out on the web at MurdyCreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y creative.co. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching at MurdyCreative.co to see the best of our product shots. Follow us, keep up to date with our daily photos, and be the first one to know about new product launches. You can also use the subscribe button at the bottom of our website to be included in all of our new product announcements. Be sure to check out our laser engraving, personalization options, and exclusive colors on the website, or you can get a blank one on Amazon Prime. All right, well, my whole saga surrounding getting the workshop set up in the new location continues. We had a gentleman show up today with a tape measure, randomly, out of the blue, and start measuring. And he measured the garage's distance to the road, which apparently because it's under 25 feet means that I need to get a permit, or at least a conditional permit for commercial use. And then after speaking with the city, there may seem to be confusion about whether that's actually necessary or not. So it continues, and it's not quite as simple as I thought it was going to be, but never is, so I don't know why I expected anything different. But that's okay. Life is full of these little things. We'll get it done. We'll get it finished. We'll get it all filled out, and then we will be in our new place for hopefully a good long while. But there's a lot going on in the world. For those of you who noticed some changes around your local environment, some price hikes, some uh, shortages, uh, things like that, it's been happening a lot, and it's been happening more and more in a lot of different industries. And you may be asking yourself, what's going on? And is the Murdy Creative Company immune to such changes? Stay tuned, because I'll tell you. So first things first, obviously, there's been a lot going on with COVID. We talk about this as a black swan event, um, which just means that it's rare and it's crazy. Uh, But there is some pieces of this puzzle that COVID has been the primary cause of. Uh, It's not exclusively because of COVID and the changes that were made in the lockdowns. That's not the only reason that we're seeing these issues, but it is part of it. So COVID strikes we see a lot of the global shipping industry shut down. We don't exactly know what's going to happen with the disease. um, And things happen. And then a year goes by. One of the major aspects of this that happened before then is the trade war. Now, whether you're for the trade war or against the trade war, I I have my own thoughts on that. But one of the things that did happen was that under... The previous administration, there was an increase in tariffs on goods coming from certain countries like China, for example, and China had increased their own tariffs. And so the trade of goods between those had become a little bit more contentious. And there was a lot of expense that was going into having to, you know, it was no longer as profitable to manufacture things in China as it used to have been because the tariffs essentially nullified some of the the gains and the benefits of shipping, um, of making things overseas and shipping them into the U.S., Similarly, things like NAFTA had had been changed a little bit, and so some of those things had also lapsed. And that created an environment where it began to become more expensive to to make things overseas and to ship them in the U.S. Some manufacturers responded to that by moving more of their manufacturing back to the U.S., and others just ate the costs. Then COVID hit. We saw, obviously, the massive global shutdown of the trade, which was a huge problem. Um, And we began to see that a lot of these global manufacturing organizations. And by that, I mean, they were really organizations. It's multiple companies all operating independently, but functionally as part of the same supply chain. So for all intents and purposes, they were or could be thought of as a vertical monopoly. Not to say that those individual companies couldn't sell to other parties, 
but they themselves functioned as part of a chain and a supply chain that became disrupted in this process. Then you had things like the uh, the boat getting stuck in the Suez Canal, which is uh, it's just an unbelievable turn of events in light of everything that's been going on. You begin to see uh, a huge change in the airline industry and the lack of passenger airlines. And so you suddenly began to see an interesting shift in cargo airlines, right? Because obviously a lot of people are buying things online now and cargo airlines, both international and national, are a big part of uh, that supply network of overnight shipping. So we've seen a massive change in the supply chains across the world and then across industries. And on top of that, we've begun to see some shortages. Now, a lot of reasons go into shortages, right? It's not just supply, right? It's not just supply and it's not just demand. And it's frankly not just the supply chain that changes shortages. A shortage can happen because of a variety of things. It can happen because even though the goods are being made in great quantities here and they're being needed in great quantities there, then they can't get, they can't get from one place to another. That can cause a shortage. It also could be that a major supplier of a specific product suddenly goes out of business or it suddenly can't keep up its production because it has to lay off half of its workforce because of financial reasons or it suddenly has to stop production because of a COVID outbreak or whatever the main reason. Suddenly it stops producing. So suddenly there's a significant drop in supply and the demand still remains the same. On the last side of it, of course, is the supply remains relatively consistent, but the demand skyrockets. And because of that, you start to see massive changes in the price. It has to go up in price. And you may say to yourself, well, why does it have to go up in price, right? I just keep the prices the same. Well, then you just don't have any on the shelf. The point of prices, the purpose of pricing is to regulate the flow of goods. You may say to yourself, well, what does that mean? Here's an example. And this is a classic example used by a very famous economic, economist called Thomas Sowell in his book, Basic Economics, which I recommend everyone to read. It is a very, very, very good treatise on how economics work and why things happen the way they happen. You may think that all of business is just made up. It's not. There's reasons for why things happen, and I'm explaining to you a little bit about price. Milk, as a raw material, can go into three major products. It can obviously go into more, but just for the purposes of this example, it can go to three major products. It can go to milk itself as a consumer product. It can go to cheese, and it can go to yogurt, just for our example. If suddenly there is a massive demand for yogurt, for any reason, it doesn't have to be real, it could be imagined, right? People could suddenly believe that it has a lot of health benefits, and so suddenly you see a massive upswell of demand for yogurt. What ends up happening is that cheese and ice cream, or cheese and milk, I should say, I didn't even include ice cream, but I should have, cheese and ice cream suddenly have to compete with yogurt in the increased demand. Well, the raw materials, there's only so much of the raw material at any given point in time. That doesn't mean that the supply is fixed. It just means that at a specific instant in time, i.e. right now, there is X amount of milk in existence. Now, there may be a lot more in the future. There may be a lot less in the future. But the moment that we're talking about, pricing is, in many ways, a momentary perceptional change in cost or a momentary perceptional change in supply. So if there is a specific amount at this moment and suddenly there's a massive demand for yogurt. Well, the yogurt companies want to sell more yogurt. They want to take advantage of that increase in demand, and so they'll demand more milk from the suppliers. Well, cheese and raw milk, or cheese and ice cream in the example that I should have gone with, also require that same raw material, but the demand for those hasn't gone up. Well, there's only so much milk, so at that instant in time, 
the yogurt producers say, well, guess what? We're willing to pay more for that milk because we'd rather take advantage of the increase in demand, sell more volume at a slightly lower profit margin, and give you guys, the milk makers, more of that by paying a higher price for the raw materials. That drives the price of milk up for everyone. All the cheese companies and the ice cream companies may not be able to sell their product at that new price for raw materials, right? They may not be able to sell the cheese at that new price for that raw material. And so the, they, don't, they don't make as much, right? Well, what ends up happening there is you start to see that these three pieces begin to shift, right? Because if there's less supply of cheese and there's, the demand stays the same, well, the price for cheese goes up. And then suddenly there's actually a little bit more profit to be made and some of the milk goes there. So the milk itself is moving between, in this example, only three different raw material uses. And all of these different raw material uses have shifting pricing that requires a different amount of the raw material. This is getting a little technical, and I apologize if it's, going, if it's getting too technical, but this goes, this, what this point is, I'm trying to make here is that in any raw material, particularly a raw material that has multiple uses for final goods, price is an indicator of how much demand in many cases there, there is for such a thing. And when demand increases for a specific use of that raw material, the raw material will naturally flow in larger volumes to the place where there's more demand because that demand will raise the price and allow for the raw material to be valued higher as well. That's the fundamental pr principle of pricing. And pricing, by the way, isn't just invented. I, as a small business owner, don't get to just make up the prices that I charge for my products. I mean, I do, but that's not how it works. You know how many comments I get on my, my advertisements every day saying, wow, $80, that's way too much. You should price yourself lower. And I'm like, I would if I could, but I can't keep the lights on at a lower price. And I can't charge more because you wouldn't pay for it, right? So there is realities to the market of pricing. I can't charge more or I can't charge less than the market will bear. And that's exactly how the pricing structure works. So when we start to see shortages, which can be related to the effect of supply chain, and in the current instance, we're seeing an increase in our price of leather, and amongst other things, we've actually seen several of our raw goods go up in price. Now, some of that is because of shortages, right? The leather one is because of shortages, and others is because of inflation. Now, price and inflation have an interesting relationship. Inflation fundamentally is a relationship between physical dollars, both, I guess, both physical dollars and imaginary dollars, but physical dollars core, in, a, in a core perspective, chasing a certain number of goods. So if there is, for an easy number, $10 million, and there's 10 million transactions that are all $1 a piece, that's the equal amount. But suddenly, if you flood the market with $100,000 or $100 million, and there's the same number of transactions, suddenly each of those transactions will consume more dollars because you don't just get to invent value, right? You can't just print more money and expect the money to say the same value. That doesn't make any sense, right? A transaction is still worth the same inherent base value of that transaction, no matter what the medium of transaction is. Whether I buy the soda can for 25 cents and 25 cents can also buy this other thing or whether I buy the can of soda for 50 cents and 50 cents could buy the exact same other thing, the, 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 the money itself is really pegged against what it can buy in the general market, right? So perception of value is based off of what that same money can do for other things, right? It's kind of a concept of what's called opportunity cost, and I can go into more of that later. This is all stuff they talk about in business school. 
But what it really means is the fact that the fact that I believe currently, and I can go double check the statistic for those that are interested, or they can go look it up. I believe 85% of the current M1 money supply, right? The physical dollars, 80% of the current M1 money supply that's in existence at the moment has been printed in the last 12 months. Now, that's obviously a crazy number to think about. Because it's not like they've pulled a bunch of money out of the economy and just put new bills in. That's not what we're talking about. That means that 12 months ago, there was, I believe, if the way the math works out, there's 20% of the current bills in dollars, in real physical bills in the market. And now there is arguably, what, five times that much? You can't increase the M1 money supply, which is the physical tangible goods. M1 is physical tangible money. M2 is stocks and bonds, things that are kind of like money, but they're not quite as liquid. And then there's uh, the M3 money supply, which is like houses, things that are harder to sell and take a little more time. They're not quite as liquid. That's the general concept. I could be getting that a little wrong, but M1 money supply, the physical dollars, actually does lead in many cases to an increase in the M2 and the M3, but the M1 is the easiest one to control because it's the most liquid. It's the easiest one to move around. The M1 money supply has gone up in a massive way. And because the M1 money supply has gone up in a massive way, there's a lot more dollars chasing the same number or, in many cases, fewer goods because of the shortages and the physical shortages. What that does to prices is it skyrockets prices. It increases prices on both sides of the equation. It makes the price, because of the shortage, the price will naturally rise. And because there's a lot more inflation, there's a lot more physical dollars, the price will go up even more. So you start to get into this place where there's this concept of runaway inflation, and inflation just goes up and up and up and up and up. And really, the people that get squeezed the worst are, in often cases, the poor and small businesses. Because small businesses oftentimes have a smaller customer base that can be more price sensitive. If you've got a large customer base, an increase in price may affect a portion of your customer base depending on how large your base is and how sensitive they are to price. And there's something called price elasticity, which functionally just means that how sensitive are your customers to a price change? If you change your price $1 up or 1% up is an easier way to think of it and suddenly no one buys your product, that means your price is very price inelastic. You cannot handle a change in price. If, however, you can change your product 10% up and your, price, your sales stay relatively the same, you have a relatively elastic price, right? So certain goods, certain industries, certain people have relatively different tolerances for price elasticity. And that's where small businesses often deal with a small customer base that deal in much more inelastic terms. And that becomes a challenge, right? For us, I am hoping, and we have taken very dedicated steps to try to limit our cost increases. We have done our very best to try to minimize costs, to cut costs internally where we can and make our process more efficient and use less resources to achieve the same outcomes in an effort to keep our prices the same. However, I don't know where this inflation is going to go. It could go through the roof. And it terrifies me. That's a real concern is that this inflation is going to just take off and spiral. And suddenly, rather than being able to go to McDonald's and get a, a meal for $8, it's going to be you're going to go to McDonald's and you can barely get that same meal for $16. I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the inflationary world. And it could happen fast. So we are aggressively internally working on trying to figure out any place that we can streamline our process, make things more efficient, make things go faster, do more with less. 
We are working on securing pricing contracts with our current suppliers so that they agree that they won't change their prices on us, you know, and we agree to buy a certain amount in a certain time frame. We're also working on trying to figure out ways to uh, find new suppliers for similar goods, right, without having to compromise on our quality. For example, we've talked a lot about developing our own inserts, right, the things that we put in our journals and trying to find ways to make those ourselves. And if we can do that, that could be a great opportunity for us. So there's opportunities that we're working on developing to help keep our costs down, which will allow us to keep our price down. However, it's possible in the future that we will have to do a price increase depending on how inflation spikes. The one and last and saddest part of all of this is that normally when price goes up, it doesn't really go down. Not regularly, not usually, and not by much if it does. And that is a challenge for everyone. And I'm hoping we see things slow down a little bit before they get a lot worse because a little bit of inflation is good. A lot of inflation is very, very bad. All right, thanks. All right, folks, thanks for checking in today. To be sure to check back in on Thursday for our next topic. And don't forget to check that subscribe button below to get our latest podcast right away. If you have any questions or concerns about your leather binder, journal, folio, or anything else we sell, feel free to contact us on the main page of our website at murdycreative.co or you can send us a contact via Instagram and Facebook. You can We'll do our best to get back to you. Email, text, call, direct message, all the usuals. We'll do our best. Uh, our phone number is 414-434-9001. You can call or text that number Monday through Friday, 5, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Who please don't call us at 5 a.m. Uh, and that is 414-434-9001. We're happy to help you over the phone. We can take orders over the phone. It's a little tricky, but uh, really the best way to get a hold of us if you have questions is email. If you've got a quick thing though, like I need to change my name engraving because I entered it wrong or my address is wrong and that I entered on my order, give us a call definitely right away. That makes it easy for us to update those before they get made or shipped. So if you think we deserve it, a good review can go a long way to help us grow our new community. Uh, both a review on the podcast, whatever app you're listening on or a nice comment on YouTube. I love reading those. Alternatively, if you want to leave a review on the product, go to murdycreative.co slash reviews. There's a button there that says leave us a good review. You can you click on that. That'll take you to facebook.com slash murdycreative.co slash reviews. And you can read all of our reviews there and you can leave us a nice review. If you don't have Facebook, you can just send us an email, sales at murdycreative.co with your nice review. We'll read it. We'll post it on our wall. And we really appreciate that. Um, we just use Facebook because it's a nice way to make sure that uh, you know that we're not lying. Uh, if, if you would leave us a bad review, on that same page, there's another button that gets you in direct contact with us. Give us an opportunity to make things right. As a small business, it is deeply important to me that everyone is happy with their product and with the process by which they got that product. And so if there's any reason that you would leave us a bad review, please contact us. Let me make, let me make it right. Let, let us give, have an opportunity to fix it. We really stand by our products and we want to make sure that everyone's happy. So give us that opportunity if you can. Uh, one of the best ways to help us, though, is uh, word of mouth. It's the best advertising, always has been. Please tell your friends about our product, tell your friends about our company, and if you want to get a little something for doing that, go to murdercreative.co. At the very top, there's a login button. You click login, all you need to put in is an email and a password, that's it. The bottom left-hand corner, there's a rewards tab. Once you click on that, once you're logged in, you get 5% back on any purchase you make as in-store credit, and there's a shareable link. If you share that link with your family and friends, and they buy something, they get $5 off their first purchase, and you get $5 of in-store credit every time they make that purchase. So it's a great way to, little, to help us, help you, and uh, help the company. So definitely check that out. If you have any podcast topics you want to hear more about, send them my way. I am always happy to talk about just about anything if I can. So definitely reach out. Send us an email. Send us a comment below. I'll talk about it if I can. Uh, if you're looking for multiple binders, journals, folios, accessories, anything that we sell, uh, for gifts, giveaways, menus, really any reason, ask about our bulk discounts. 
This minimum order quantity for our bulk discount is five. So it's five of one thing or one of five things. It's mix and match. It's just based off the total cart quantity. If, you got, if you're looking for more than five things, definitely reach out to us via sales at merdycreative.co. That's sales at merdycreative.co. And if you are interested in getting a custom engraved item, we have no minimum order quantities for those. None. So you can get just one engraved with your logo or your name or your signature or whatever you want. Just one. There's no minimum fees or no minimum uh, quantities and there is no setup fees. It's just a flat fee per item starting at $15. Normally they all are $15. If it's really large, like it takes for the whole cover or it's really intricate, we may have a little bit more expense. But for the most part, it's, uh, it's just $15 flat fee. So definitely check that out. If you're interested in that, reach out to us, sales at merdycreative.co or you can go to the custom slash bulk uh, page at the top of our website. You can see that in the center of the menu. That'll have all the details, lead times, questions, things like that. There's also a, a form there that you can fill out and attach and upload your stuff. So that's an easy way to help us and gets us a couple of answers right off the bat to make things go a little bit faster. So if you're looking for bulk discounts and custom engravings, the bulk discount does apply to the custom engraving fee. So if you're looking on getting multiple things, a bunch of things, that $15 fee can go down quite a bit based off of the, the quantity you're ordering. So check that out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great day and goodbye.